0: Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low-maintenance Trex deck. The only colour fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. It's time to cast off on a
1: new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Hello
0: and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you're listening right around the country. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hapgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. In Redmond, we can finally go fishing.
1: Yes, we can, but before we talk about that...
0: <laughs> <laughs> this was just being discussed before we started uh, broadcast this morning.
1: Did I see boots? Not footy boots, but work boots at the front of your house work today? Work boots, yep. I'm a workman now. I'm a, I'm a tradesman. So Bo- basically... But You have your house getting built.
0: Yep, yep. Been, been, uh, been helping out, been doing yeah. a bit of Q-Tech uh, painting on the
1: outside of their cladding. I want to know, say you're there for two hours, how much work do you do with, with your work boots on? Because they look still new to me.
0: No, well, they are new. <laughs> and you know, I'll tell you why they're, they're new. Because I was uh, chopping down some trees last week, clearing out the front to do some um, uh, landscaping. Clearly, landscaping is one of the things you do last, and when uh, you know you cop the pay hit, that's uh, one of the things you're not going to spend money on. Redmond, so I can do that myself. And um, anyway, um, hey, kick, little kick back day. on it, nah, kick back on the chainsaw a few times, uh, and I thought to myself, I'm wearing sneakers, old sneakers. I'm not wearing any protective eyewear. Uh, I don't have any gloves on. Um, perhaps it's time to take uh, protective wear a little more seriously. So I went to Bunnings during the week. Officially the greatest store in the world uh, and purchased myself some um, random stuff that you buy at Bunnings. Some work boots. That's what I went there for. I actually... <laughs> I can't I take it serious. I actually bought myself this master lock. You can actually see it.
1: See this thing? What are you, what are you actually going to use that for?
0: I don't know. I just saw it and I liked it. <laughs> do you ever do that when you're at Bunnings? I'm like, I'm My what?
1: partner works at Bunnings, so we, um, get, we, get, we get 10% off.
0: Well, so does everyone, don't they? You match it by 10%.
1: We beat it again. Jeez, look out. Do you want um, anyway, I'm going to borrow my car. So I'm, I'm
0: I'm walking through there and I just see all these different things that I don't necessarily need and I bought. I bought myself a pole hole digger.
1: Did you just start doing that now because it's been people have been doing that for 8 weeks in isolation. <laughs> uh well, <laughs> the most
0: essential shop in the state in the country. I, I hadn't been into Bunnings for a while, so when I went in there, there was I was like a kid in a candy store. So I got myself some uh, protective wear, uh, some goggles, some gloves and um some steel cap boots. So you know, the last thing I think you want to do as a you know, with a return to footy around the corner is ring up uh Chris Scott and say, Yeah, Scotty, I um lost a toe. I lost a toe with a chainsaw.
1: Good um, news is though, if you uh, do see on marketplace on Facebook in the next uh three weeks a, a boot <laughs> that has been on sale, you'll know it's done no work. So make sure 12. you buy it, it'll be half price. <laughs> <laughs> We're going fishing now. Dan no. Andrews.
0: <laughs> yes, how happy are you?
1: Dan the man. Uh I uh sent you a couple of fishing rods during the week or as of Monday, eleven oh five. You were rather excited. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it was uh it was I a-
0: actually tried to call you and just you know see your reaction and your response was oh, I, re- I can't talk to you now. I need to listen, listen to a bit more detail. I
1: need to know what was going on and what was going on, and we're gonna talk a little bit about the rules here, Pat, that they have put in place for recreational anglers in Victoria. Uh we have been allowed to fish. First of all, we need to be smart on how we do this so we don't Get the ban brought back upon us. Let's not do dumb things. So, yeah, well,
0: there's the like everyone keeps saying there is definitely the chance for um for it to return. You know, there's going to be an outbreak at some stage again, um, and we're going to make sure that we're all doing our bit yeah. with regards with regards to uh, social distancing and uh, just doing the right things, washing hands, etc.
1: And a big a big one part that I think people aren't going to do, and the reason that I know that is because I've cracked it at a few people who have told me they're not going to do, is they're going to travel, which is fine. You're allowed to travel anywhere in the state, Pat. You can go to Gippsland right now. You can go to Murray River right now. You can go wherever you want. But it's a clear rule by Andrews is not to stay anywhere overnight or travel overnight. They want you at home at night. So they don't want you in a town possibly spreading which makes sense. It yep. does, it does. It's simple because you, you go to the – look, I know they're not open, but what, what you do in Portland, if when we go barrel fishing, you go out there, you, you, you fill your boat up, you buy a bag of pillies, you uh, grab yourself some food from the supermarket, then you go to the pub for a meal, or the pizza shop, and all of a sudden you've done all this, these wrong things. So basically they want you to take your food as much as possible, fill your boat up from when you leave your place, so your town. Try and stay in your town so we don't spread this whole thing Away, and if you are going to travel to go fishing, do it by stopping the least you possibly can. So, if you are going to Portland, which is fine, if you want to do a day trip to Portland, by right, I won't be doing it. I've got no interest in doing it. I think it's ridiculous to drive seven hours to go catch a fish when potentially, in three weeks' time, as of the start of June, we could be allowed to stay there, stay there overnight.
0: Yeah, the word is potential, though. So potential. You don't, you don't I said know. potential.
1: No, I don't know that, but there's, it has potential that. That's when the next review is, and he said he'd. If all things go to plan, he's going to reduce restrictions again. Yep. And I, what are you? What are your thoughts? So, it takes me roughly three and a half to four hours to drive to Portland. So, say eight hours. That's with a couple of stops. So it's eight hours of driving.
0: Uh, I I understand doing it straight away whilst there hasn't been that many or well, no one's been fishing yep. for them. I understand getting into it straight away because. You can go down there, the fishery hasn't had a huge amount of pressure on it. Um, and, well, chances- and we've
1: seen during the week, the barrels, everyone that went caught fish, it was great fishing.
0: Yeah, so the chances to actually hook up and catch a fish are really high. Now, the, with the more pressure that, that gets on that fishery, the more people that fish it, obviously they're going to spook more easily. So I get it, I get it initially,
1: but, but like you said. The issue is though, for example, Portland, if I, if I want to fish there, you want to fish prime time. So you want to be leaving the ramp at six thirty, seven o'clock. So that means I have to leave at around 3am. The Richie Abella. He does like travelling. It is he, the Richie Abella. Get up at 2, having he, he not slept. And- <laughs> he does travel a lot, Richie. He, uh, he, You're literally leaving at 3 in the morning, and then you're coming back and not getting home to potentially close to 10 o'clock at night the next night. I think it's dangerous, and I guarantee you one thing, if you're doing things properly and you're looking for life and looking for fish when you are chasing barrel tuna, it's Takes it out very, of you. Very, very stressful on your eyes. It doesn't matter how good your sunnies are. Yep. It, 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 the way I do it, anyway, I'm concentrating the whole time watching my sonar. It. it I want to. Support, I don't want to go to a pub for a jamison, That's how tired I am after I've been barrel fishing. So <laughs> it's Because it does take it out of you. So be careful if you are doing it. Uh, share the driving with a partner. Maybe have uh, maybe on the way there you, you have your mate sleep the whole way there and then he drives the way back because you're potentially only allowed to have two people on the boat as well. Uh, that's the actual arrangement if you don't live with the people as well so you're meant to be trying to keep 1.5 on the boat as much as possible which you have to do but also you have to have direct family on your boat at all times if you want numbers so they're the people you live with so you and I Pat can go fishing but you, myself and your mate Joel Selwood we can't the three of us can't go so that's how it's worked so you have to either be with one person or with someone from your family you can have your whole family if you live together
0: BIAV Chief Executive Steve Walker had this to say uh, in regards to a statement to his members uh, in the wake of Dan Andrews' announcement. We would assume also that charter and tourism activities that can provide social distancing on board and keep groups under 10 should be good to resume. Now, that's talking about charter operators. Um, Where's your take? You obviously know quite a few charter boat operators in terms of uh, resumption of their work. Are they getting back into operation? I know or? Chris
1: Vasileski, good friend of the show, from Gone Fishing Charters, has pulled the pin completely on his work. He just, at the minute, he said he might contemplate three to four people, but he's got a very big boat.
0: I was going to say, the problem with the three to four people on a 30-odd foot boat, um, the overheads and the costs that you have with it.
1: Well, and, and not only that is it's very hard to fish that those that amount of people on a boat. And what I mean by that is, where, where's all our fishing done if we go on the whiting? It's all done at the back of the boat. Yep. It, so you, you're going to have three or four people all on top of each other at the back of the boat. It throws
0: lip service to your 1.5. Yep. Like, really, it's just, it's, it's very much... Um a face value, stay 1.5 away. Well, we, we know when you are in
1: a boat. It's very hard. It it's, it's near and impossible. It is. And, I, uh, and I've seen on social media, a lot of charters are going back to work with restrictions, which is great. Oh, I want them all to work. Don't get me wrong. Absolutely. I, they can do it at their own will. If they can do it, buddy, hell, go for it. I'm, I'm supporting you 100%. But I fished with, uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about my fishing in a minute, but I fished a few times with a couple of different mates uh, during the week. And oh, like you said. Should, is-
0: should they be granted an exemption? There hasn't been an exemption no, no, th-
1: throughout any of
0: the, these rules and regulations. Nah, it's well, been one-size-fits-all. But you're, you're nah. affecting livelihoods of a lot of charter Yeah, operators. I know,
1: but so is the pubs that are shut. Yep. Should they be exempted? No, you are
0: right. Let's get into your week in fishing, Redmond. It started Wednesday. Uh, it started, Wednesday. You it started were straight with a into bit it. of
1: Eminem, and the song was Guess Who's Back. It yeah. was on the old Instagram.
0: It was. now, And you can follow us on our Real Adventures social pages, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You're not exactly uh, hugely...
1: Uh Although I Do you know, honestly, on my phone, the only notification I get from Twitter, and I don't know why, it comes up and it says, Patrick Dangerfield has liked a post or tweeted a post. It's the only one I get.
0: That's good. You're I a think follower. you're the
1: only person I follow.
0: <laughs> now, you got into the, uh, the whiting and the gummy sharks. Talk me through it. Um, Obviously tough having not fished or been out even to do a bit of a recce around where to fish and where to start. It was real tough, Pat. How did you go one, about
1: it? Real tough. One drop, 40 wide in under an hour. That's how tough it was. <laughs> we headed out uh, with... Really comfortable <laughs> with yourself, are you? <laughs> we- Very happy. <laughs> we headed out uh, on the Wednesday and I was very, just quickly, very disappointed on the amount of boats that were out, Pat, for the carry-on that I've seen on social media for the past eight weeks is the disappointment there was... I had nine boats at the ramp when I got there, nine also nine trailers. Were you expecting to see a just? Um- I deliberately went fishing at eleven thirty to not have the crowds on at the ramp. That's how what I expected. But anyway, we headed out, and what I did was, for example, we'll start with the whiting. The whiting, I talk about it all the time. The techniques you need to put in play to catch whiting, and I had mates go, "Geez, it's going to be hard for you to find fish during the week. You haven't fished for so long." But every day I fish or I'd like to probably bring that down to maybe every few days I fish is in a different area for a reason. The swell might be up for two days, so I'm fishing down the bottom end of the bay where it might be clear two days later and those fish will not be there. So with the whiting, what I did, I saw the swell. It was up, pushing inside on the flood tide, coming in the bay on the flood tide. That dirty water was getting pushed right up the bay. Massive tide. We're off that moon now. Massive tide. And the whiting... Pick my. I've got my normal marks where I fish this time of the year, and they could they're spread out those areas I fish are from St Leonard's right down to the bottom end of the heads. And I went to that mark. I fished on it, and the first drop, we landed our bag limit of whiting. And all I did was used all the techniques that I talk about on this show and on Salt Guide. So, size, size lures, uh, size hooks. Yeah, we were using what would I use? I was in the size four Gamakatsu worm hooks. I was using the sinker size was just a two ounce because I was fishing in a bit of tide, so it wasn't too heavy, but it wasn't like your stocks down at Saint Leonard's. Fifteen pound leader and just my Samurai reaction. So, just a, just my normal whiting gear. I didn't complicate anything. I went to my spots, my spot I thought the fish were going to be, and sure enough, they were there. And I would have been confident if they weren't there, they were going to be on another spot by using those using the swell and the dirty water to fish the marks where I know where I do catch fish on those occasions. Now, on the Friday, I Thursday, I got the whiting again, but on the Friday, I headed offshore. It was a beautiful day, dream day. and
0: Well, it was certainly better than the – like it was typical that the cold front had come through on the Wednesday when we can finally actually get back out and fish. Do you know how cold it is Victoria out there at the moment? Months.
1: Like from when we went out last time, as in before ISO, I think that day I landed my whiting and I was in a T-shirt coming back. And then I was fishing. I had my heavy jacket on coming back, driving with the air on my face. It was that cold. And my nose was so numb. So it, the cold is well and truly in the air. And it was only, <laughs> Gwayne said in Western Port, the water was only 11 degrees, which is Western Port heats up faster than Port Phillip Bay, but it also gets colder quicker than Port Phillip Bay. So what I had in Port Phillip was 14 degrees. And Gwayne only had, I think it was 11 and a half degrees in Western Port, which is quite cold. Mm. So they get their first run of snapper earlier and they get their last run of snapper a bit earlier again when the water cools off a bit quicker at the end of the season. But like I said, we headed offshore. How I went for the gumbos, my normal rigs, everything that you find on salt guide. But I went out there as swell as it had been up. Yes, it wasn't up on the Friday, but the water in close was dirty. And I like that dirty water. I feel like I can get a bit shallower. We're in that 28 metres just off the back of a reef and we got some beautiful gummy sharks. So the fishing is Red hot, anchored up, obviously. Yeah, anchored up on the back of the reef there, yep. just as it just as it started to drop off into that not as heavy ground that I talk about. So you have got your heavy stuff and all that to get off it. So there is reef around, but you're not on top of the ma- the major part of the reef. You're just off the edge of it, where there's little patchy areas of it.
0: Helps with the retrieval of the anchor as well. If you're uh, yeah, they
1: get stuck. You know, <laughs> you don't have it stuck under a cave <laughs> somewhere. Yeah, they get somewhere. stuck. <laughs> yeah, and you pull up a crayfish and an octopus in <laughs> the end of it. But I do want to mention this, Pat. A massive shark attack during the week. Did you hear about it? Oh, I did. Yes, it was uh, very topical. I know. I, I didn't see
0: the species of shark, but I, I was amazed. Well, that if you sh-
1: didn't, if you didn't see it, you could go onto Facebook. You'll find out that this one shark was a, a great white. Could have been possibly a whale shark, mako, thresher. It was every shark under the book. And I reckon, from what I've worked out and speaking to people, I reckon I'm ninety percent sure I know what it was because there's only one shark down here that doesn't have a dorsal fin. And that's a Megillah. That's a seven gill shark. They don't have a top dorsal fin. And
0: so you're what you're saying. You're turning into a hater just because there was a five metre great white shark that attacked people at <laughs> Southside. You're all of a sudden one of
1: those social media haters. Man, no, there wasn't a great white
0: shark. I'm
1: one of the haters that go. I feel sorry for the boat that got bit, but I'm fighting off seven gills on every second dive I do. Get over it. They don't hurt that much. Couple of bite marks. No, they are seven gills. Are they are a shark. They got quite big teeth and then they're a dumb shark they are a very 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 dumb shark if I was a shark I'd be a seven gill (laughs) but they they are uh, they are honestly they are literally just roam around when we're diving they come up and look at us they bump us with their head and we're pushing them away and they can be a little bit intimidating but you're just like mate I seen you last week go away so it was a seven-gill shark. I'm clarifying it for everyone. I hope I'm right. So it was a seven-gill shark. I'm calling it now. Thanks,
0: David Attenborough. <laughs> Huge episode of Real Adventures coming away. Plenty more after the break. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for The Social Club where we answer your questions from social media. If you've got a question for Aaron or I, make sure you send it into our Real Adventures social pages, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The first question is from Ben. Is it worth chasing snapper
1: now, Aaron? Uh, it a, is it's a good question. You Easiest way to answer this for me is no. And the reason for that is because... I when I fish, a lot of it's obviously for work, but also it's a lot of effort to go catch a snapper now. I mentioned pre earlier in the show that it was only fourteen degrees. So it's quite cold. I think if you went out there, it's gonna take a bit of work to get some fish. So you you will still get fish though? That's the it's gonna be it might be like a day or a two day thing. So you might get lucky and get a couple, but then you might take two days and have another two days where you don't get any. It's not going to be consistent like it is during the earlier parts of the year or even April. We're in May now. We're mid-May, and it's when the water temps really, really getting cold.
0: And you spoke about that off the top of the show, Western Port sitting at 11 degrees. Yeah,
1: it's very cold. And I think – and like I said, it's it's up to you. The answer from me is no, it's not my cup of tea. I'd rather spend the time and the effort in having a good time, so catching my whiting, catching my gummies, catching the tuna offshore – or whatever it is, squid even, where I know I've got a very, very good chance of getting those species, where your snapper are going to be a lot of work. If you're going to do it, I'd be looking around that Mount Martha region. Uh, that's generally the best this time of the year. Is that because the water's still
0: probably warmer there compared to other Yeah, so of the, bay? the
1: top of the bay cools down quicker than the bottom end of the bay. So it's a bit like Western Port. Uh, it comes into that, so it gets it's still a water up there where down the bottom we've got the ocean currents coming in, and the ocean currents are always warmer. So at the moment, the bay is still... I think the bay is, the bay is still warmer than the ocean at the minute, right as we speak. But as it changes, that's when our white winter whiting come into play, those big ocean whiting that we get down the heads, and yep. those school whiting are harder to get. But right now, like I said, 14 degrees. You've got a picture. That's on, that's on your SST, so that's your surface temperature. So... Yep. So the one underneath Down that is going, is going to be, be colder. Yeah. colder. Yeah, yep. exactly. So for me, the answer is no, but if you're into that and that's what you want to do, you've still got a good chance of catching a fish, but it could take a few days rather than a few hours.
0: Hi, boys. Graham here. I'm looking at updating my 25-horsepower two-stroke. Uh, looking at a four-stroke or perhaps a newer two-stroke, don't have the money to buy a brand-new outboard. What are your suggestions? Um, I don't think you can go past a four-stroke, Pat. I don't. That being said, I've got a thirty horsepower um Yammy MRI, that's an yeah. early two thousands model uh, on my little Stasa pro line. And the thing's great. Like barely uses any fuel. Yeah, it's not whisper quiet. Um, but it's got great pickup. Um, de- oh, the- depending on what you, what you're willing to spend, yeah. like obviously if you're gonna buy an older two an older four stroke, you you're still dealing with the I suppose the inherent. Issues that those early two strokes had. So, versus a, a two stroke that you know they run off the smell of an oily rag. Mm. Um, they're very you can you can service them yourselves. We we service the Yamaha ourselves. So, um, depends on that budget. If you can stretch it, yeah, it makes sense. But obviously, those older those older four strokes has they're they're significantly heavier than what the new Much generation heavier. four strokes are.
1: Yeah, they're they are. And like you said before, with the Yamaha, the Saltwater series in that two stroke Yamaha range is. A very, very, very good engine. And they're, they, they, they're incredibly they're bullet, sought
0: after on the used market.
1: They're are bullet, bulletproof. But for me, I'd definitely be pushing I don't know, in my head, the quietness, the reliability, and you don't have that petrol smell when you wake up in the morning Mate, at the boat ramp. Oh,
0: there is nothing like a smelling two stroke in the morning. It no, is beautiful.
1: No, and just as you pass out fourth appear. Dar- Daryl Kerrigan. <laughs> smell that mm, two stroke. I love the smell of petrol. <laughs>
0: that bad? You cannot say that on radio. (laughs) I do like it. Joel, edit that out. (laughs) All right, next question. Uh, Aaron, why do you keep so many fish from unknown?
1: (laughs) So that was actually a question not just from unknown himself. It was from lots of unknown people who we're not going to mention. Why do I keep so many fish? Well, you never know when there's going to be another COVID-24 coming up in the next few years. So you've got to prepare for these things. You've got to stock up.
0: You're suggesting given we're in COVID-19, there's another five to go or –
1: or isn't it 19 based on the year that it was made? So COVID-19. So COVID-24 is in a few years. So just 2024, 2024 could be another one. You never know. No, the reason I do is it doesn't go far. I kept 20 whiting on Wednesday. I got 40 fillets. Kari and I had uh, we had dinner that night with, that, with those whiting with two friends that were allowed to have over. And basically, we all eat. Oh, How many fillets would you eat? I, I eat between six to eight. Would you eat six to eight? I'm sort of your um,
0: close to twenty sort of set
1: up with. <laughs> well, you think about that. So say say I would have six to eight comfortably. Say six to eight fish, a uh, fillet. Sorry, and you times that by four. That's that day nearly done. Nearly, you got a little bit more in the freezer, but it doesn't go far. I have friends and family. I've got yourself. You're playing footy normally. Playing footy, you don't have the time to fish. I always drop fish off to you. You do. I spread it around by by uh, all my families and friends. And to be honest with you. I ran out during this COVID-19 and that will never ever happen again where I run out. Hey, don't take the questions personally. <laughs> Last one
0: is from Craig. This is actually our uh, a good Matt Craig from Sock. I, you were having this discussion. You thought it was a good one. Yeah, I thought I'd bring it up. Put into our social media pages. 150 or a 175, Craig's looking at a new 2050 Staby Craft yep. and your recommendation for him.
1: Yeah, so he's gone to uh, put a Mercury on the back of it and say, he, he, the question he asked was, "The Max is out at 175, the, the – the boat, as in what is allowed to have horsepower size on the back of it. And he said, I'm just going to get a 150 on it, but it maxed out at 175. I'm just going to get the 150. I said, why? He goes, oh, I don't know. I said, can you afford the extra three grand, which it's three grand more for that engine? And he said, oh, yeah, yeah. And I said, I would be 100% maxing your horsepower out. And he goes, why? I said, because I reckon that three grand that you're going to spend, it was just shy of three grand. I said, I reckon that three grand that you're going to spend, you'll save on fuel in that time you have that boat. And he goes, why? I said, because no matter what engine you put on the back, you always try and sit at roughly between four and a half, four to four and a half thousand uh, revs, don't you? Yep. Per, every, every boat you go to. So you're talking about how hard you work that individual it, engine. Yeah, that's right. And... If you're sitting at, say, 32 knots, for example, on the 150 at 4,000, 4,500 you with the 175, you're probably sitting at 4,000 doing 35 knots. So you're actually bringing your fuel down. And you could drop it down to 3,800, and you'll still be doing what you do to get that 30 knots. So you gain on speed. Uh, it you, you actually don't use more fuel with a bigger engine unless you really open it up you'll start to use more fuel but if you're sitting at those respected so if you were doing
0: it you'd use more fuel
1: I'm broke (laughs) (laughs) but you 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 won't use more fuel because your revs will be lower on that engine and it's the economy and it's better for the engine so the biggest one for me is also having the horsepower there, Pat. I don't think there's anything better than having the horsepower there if you need it. Getting into trouble, yeah, going getting, through a bar or yep, whatever it is, even at, yeah, whatever it is, crossing a bar or going through the rip or whatever it is, having that extra horsepower there to push you out with a night propped up nicely is uh, is what I would be doing for sure. If you've got a question for Aaron or I for our social
0: club, make sure you send it into our social media pages at Real Adventures for for Instagram and Facebook. It's now time for our dream boating destinations. Our destination for this morning is Magnetic Island, Redmond. It's an island that you've spent plenty of time at. Uh, roughly 50-odd clicks, roughly 8 kilometres from Townsville. Um, beautiful place. Um, your thoughts, recollections of it as a destination to fish? There's 23 different bays throughout the island itself, or island chains itself, uh, 14. Fourteen of those can be fished. Nine are green zones and protected bays, so you, you can snorkel there, but you can't fish. Um,
1: I had my best capture there. Did you really? Mm, best ever capture. Let me guess. That's where you. That's where I got engaged to Kari, and she <laughs> told me to say that. No. <laughs> Talk to us about Magnetic Island. It is a beautiful place. Like you said, as a family destination, I don't think it's much better. We went there as a family with Kari's side, and it, there's so many things to do, Pat whether it's on the water or off the water, whether it's going on tours or even hiring those little, like, what you call, they've they got no roofs, the little cars that you go around, the roofless little buggy cars. Or mopeds? Or- no, nah, they're um, just a small car. and Oh, the yeah, mini moat? Yeah, they're like a mini moat, but not they're a bit a bit upper on a mini moat. And you hire them and you can drive around in literally luxurious weather. You, it's, it's so nice there all year round. And uh, the fishing side of it, is they, if you ever Google Magnetic Island, it'll say to you it's a fishing paradise, fisherman's paradise, because there's jetties that go quite far out there. You can catch basically any species you want off it, right through from all your trevallies to nearly every species that you can catch all up top of, uh, top end of Australia.
0: Well, mangrove jack, finger mark, uh, brim also known known as golden snapper, queenfish, Trevally, tarpon, uh, Kobe mackerel, like there's a huge list coral of coral trout that are that you, you can catch there offshore and inshore, obviously. Um, ways to target them? I mean, majority of the it, time when we've fished up north, you know, we've generally used um, jigs, tried to steer clear of bait. I mean, bait obviously nails anything up north because, you know, it's such an incredible fishery.
1: Well, I, when I was there for fishing, we just used... What I, what you and I used fishing out of uh, South Mission Beach and the likes. Just, you know, I used my my jigs up there, my lure, my late, my casting lures, surface lures, and we, found that smaller
0: lures did the damage, didn't we?
1: The, it always is the smaller that was the best for me up there by far. And the good thing about a Magnetic Island, there's three ramps on the island. So if you do take your boat up there, or if you are local to Magnetic Island, there's three uh, three ramps there. Which ones at Horseshoe Bay, the other ones, Picnic Bay and Nally Bay Harbour, and Like between the ramps, Pat, it's like 10 minutes to get from one end to the other end of the island. Like it's not far. So you can spend a fair bit of time up there uh, catching some awesome fish, whether you are land based or if you are heading out on a boat. Magnetic Island is our dream boating
0: destinations for this morning.
1: On real adventures,
0: it's time to get all
1: aboard for Dometic Mobile Living Made Easy.
0: Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for All Aboard, thanks to the Dometic CIB 26 cooler bag. Keep food and drinks cool on your adventures. Now, I've been trying to get this bloke for a very long period of time, Redmond. He's an important person. No, he's not an important person. He just screens my calls. (laughs) Since leaving Victoria and uh, going to the dark side, heading over to, uh, to Wonderful SA, Ned McHenry has just refused every phone call I've ever put towards him. Good morning, Nettles.
2: Hey, boys. How are you going?
0: Thanks for having me on. <laughs> we are excited to have you on, mate. Now, you moved to South Australia a couple of years ago now. Uh, you love your fishing. Grew up in Ocean Grove. Tell us a bit about fishing in Victoria versus now moving over to South Australia to chase your dream as an aspiring young footballer. It's been a uh, a flat knack a couple of years for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as
2: you said, I was a Duong boy and um, grew up just loving fishing, so... Now, the move over to Adelaide has been good, obviously, as you know, with fishing over here too. But, um, yeah, I did most of my fishing. Actually, bow and heads and in the day, just like you guys, I guess, and then came over here and been lucky enough to get out and chase some whiting. No snapper, obviously, as you guys know, which is been a bit of a shame, but, no, it's been a good transition.
0: Now, talk us through your fishing history, um, the first boat that you bought um, and where that love uh, has come from. <laughs>
2: It's a pretty funny story. I was a bit of a, a, bit of a rat bag in Year Eight, and as well fishing, and Mum kind of thought boarding school would be a pretty good move for me to kind of get me, get me over and sort me out a little bit. But my, um, my request was, I go to boarding school, so I got a little tinny, so I was a Frenchess <laughs> tinny, and then from there I just slowly um slowly upgraded upgraded, and I went to a fiberglass center console, a Sea Hunt after that, and then now I'm very very lucky, I'm in um essentially pretty much my dream boat really at North Bank Six Hundred. I'm on an easy tail trailer with, with some Mercury outboard, uh, a 150. So, yeah, I feel very so lucky with it. I've been getting some awesome use um, over here in Adelaide. Obviously, as a certification. The and then uh, over the off-season break as well, I got it back to Geelong, which was unreal. So I did some fishing off barn heads with it. Um, for some gummy sharks and, and some snapper there. I was over there when there was that good little snapper bite going on.
1: Well, let's do the compare. How is the fishing – well, how have you found the fishing? Is it easier in Victoria or is it easier in South Australia?
2: <laughs> good question um i don't know if i'm scared, just still finding my feet over here but uh, the adelaide people won't like this but I, I think victoria i think that fishery. when i went home i, I was really really excited i think maybe i'm just finding my feet over here or, or i'm a crap fisherman but um, i think the geelong fishery is pretty good i think you've always have a lucky over there
0: no you need to talk to the right people i'll give you a couple of names uh, john john winslet former glenelg fishing charters and Shane clearly mentions. Shane Mensforth, the, uh, the guru yep. when it comes to uh, SA fishing, uh, Ned. Now, talk us through the, the differences. Obviously, you've gone from the centre console uh, to the caddy cab. The fishability with a centre console is clearly as good as it can get. Um, but when it comes to weather protection, obviously um, you know, the winds can kick up pretty strongly in South Australia, especially during the winter months. How have you found the transition between the two? I'll
1: answer for him. He likes the feel of his nose.
2: <laughs> i'm guessing you don't like center consoles, that
0: no i've
1: got nothing against them i just don't think there's a place for them in well in victoria <laughs> in victoria i know
2: yeah it's funny i had to, i did take a photo out of center console offshore with a couple of mates and the internal freeboard in it was pretty low so it probably wasn't the safest route for that kind of application i suppose but my only thing was and i was really lucky i wanted a really big safe um as i say with high high, high freeboard it was a big safe from of move because, as you know, like we get our Wednesday and our weekend's off, really, or maybe a Thursday. So it's only really two days in the week that you can fish. So I wanted a boat that, no matter really the conditions, I could get out and do something with it. Even if the wind was blowing, I could get out just close and get some lighting or do something. So that was kind of a move um, for the Cuddy boat, and, and I honestly like it. I've absolutely loved it. That 600 um,
0: North Bank, it's Clearly versatile, that's one of the easier boats to trailer and to launch and you can basically do it by yourself. When it comes to fishing, who are the uh, the boys at the footy club that you generally take out? Big Rob O'Brien's been uh, <laughs> been a constant on your social media. <laughs> he's
2: a constant, Rob O'Brien. Um, yeah, you talk about launching solo. When I go out with Rob, it's pretty much is launching solo. <laughs> right it's almost harder than launching solo. You know, you know what he's like. Oh, we always laugh. It takes him a while to get his um his land legs, let alone his sea legs. So <laughs> it's a disaster out there with him sometimes. But yeah, as you say, I said, I love going I love going fishing somewhere, But I take some of the boys out. Maddie Wright, who's um one of our coaches, been out with me, uh, Bobby, uh Riley O'Brien, and Don Davis. So he always come out. And um yeah, everyone's pretty big.
0: One of the great individual humans, Maddie Wright, Just an absolute ripper. Talk us through the process of the new boat build. Uh, how much input did you have through it? Did you go down and visit it throughout its manufacturing process? Because it's one of the more enjoyable things you certainly do um, when you purchase a new boat, Ned.
2: Yeah, it, it was It was really great. It was an amazing experience. And I sat down with one of the we spoke about North Bank and I was really like, I got to go through a walk through the North Bank factory, factory which was... Um, unbelievable. So I saw the build process there and just literally just fell in love with the hull and said to Rob, you know, can we make this happen? Can I get one? And, <laughs> we through it and, and we talked about what kind of fishing, um, what kind of fishing I'm going to do. So snapper racks and, and, and a big anchor winch and obviously the Merc as well. I was really lucky with that. So um, yeah, I visited the factory probably four times I reckon when it was getting built. And yeah, as you know, I guess just seeing it slowly progress is, is really exciting. And um, yeah, it's just spoken with it now.
0: Now, being an AFL footballer, obviously, once the season finishes, you've got time to go and visit different places. Is there a bucket list fish or or place that you want to go and visit uh, and chase, um, you know, your dream fish?
2: Yes. Yeah, there absolutely is. Um, I grew up – I, I a bit of fishing off Port Douglas, and I suppose obviously you guys have just recently been up to the reef and done an amazing trip up there, and oh, I just love the reef. Like, there's just – so much life and so much fish, and it's just you never really know what you're going to get. So, my dream is in an off season to maybe tow the North Bank up and, and go to Cooktown or, or somewhere like that and just spend two weeks and all this there. And there's just dummies and reefs everywhere. Um, I could catch cold trout and the Red Emperor and stuff like that, and even some other pelagic fish should be unreal. So, um, that's probably a dream in terms of a trip.
0: I've got some great advice for you for this, Ned. Aaron and I both experienced this. <laughs> You you can drive up yourself or you can actually get it – you put it on the back of a truck, get it towed up there. Uh, yeah. what, what did it cost us? I reckon it's about five grand, best five grand you'll ever spend because you don't have to spend sort of
1: four oh, I was going to say, I hope you've got a lot of money for fuel to get there.
2: <laughs> 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 it's Even a bloody long say, way.
1: <laughs> but there's nothing – and you'll you agree
0: with his says there's nothing like actually fishing in your own boat in one of those no, spot re- remote locations,
1: captain in the boat yourself, doing thinking your own tactics. So like you go on a charter any day of the week, and you, you can use, use their brain to catch fish. And don't get me wrong, it's awesome to do that maybe once off and learn a little bit of the air and the techniques. And then head up there in your own, like you said, do it yourself on your own boat. I don't reckon there's much better than that, especially up there. You can catch a fish and bloody. Puddle on the side of the road up there.
0: <laughs> Ned, talk us <laughs> yeah. through the uh, the 150 Merc, how you've found that. Um, new outboard, obviously, it's a four-stroke. You had a four-stroke on your previous boat. Um, your what, what, size what, size Merc, what size Merc is it?
2: It's a it's 150. Yep. You know, a 150 Merc. And I had a 135 Merc, a four-stroke as well, on the, on the centre console. So I was really happy with the Merc, initially, even in that boat. And um, I was really comfortable with going to a Merc again. And to be honest, I haven't really been able to... Been able to really test it out yet? I've got kind of 35 40 hours on the boat, which actually isn't really that much, but um, I found it to be amazing. I get about 38 39 knots fully really trimmed out, and um, obviously, you can go up and go higher horsepower, but for me, the merch's just been unbelievable. It's obviously super quiet, and my economy's really good, so um, yeah, it's just been brilliant.
1: Come on, Ned, 38 hours It's two days work
0: for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's interesting that you say you get sort of 38, 39 knots because I had uh, – my first North Bank was a six-meter and I had a 175 on it and the speed was the same. So I, I was sort of 38, 39 yep. knots and I know on a lot of boats, that extra upgrade at 175 to 150, you're not actually getting a huge amount of top-end speed as we spoke off the top of the show around always going to higher horsepower. There is a time and a place for it though, yeah.
1: isn't there? Oh, 100%. And look. Like- Ned spot with what you've got there spot on with the engine size on that boat and you like you gain you gain more economy on your fuel by having the revs lower yep. you might not, and also the fact that there is a little bit more power down low to throw yourself out of a situation if you need to
0: now Ned uh, to finish off the interview footy is around the corner surely you're excited to get back into it finally because I certainly am mate
2: absolutely um I'm not sure you probably know a lot more <laughs> I do in terms of when we're going to get back, but hopefully soon. I mean, all, all the fishing over here has
1: been fun, but been it's, it's, it's good to get back into it. And,
2: yeah, I'm just going to get back into footy. He thinks he runs the show, don't he, Ned? <laughs> he does because I think he does run the show. <laughs> uh, that,
1: we're going
0: to cut the interview off there. Uh, Ned McHenry, thank you so much for joining us this morning on Real Adventures and talking all things fishing and boating.
2: Thank you, boys. Love it. Thanks. It's all
0: aboard for Dometic. Dometic Mobile Living, made easy. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. It's time for Red's tip. Slightly different tip this morning. We head to Jim Credlin from JC's Bait and Tackle. Now, Jim, we've only been back fishing a few days. Uh, is there anything to report thus far? Clearly the Murray, one of the, uh, the great destinations of, uh, around Victoria to chase. And There's been a few Murray co- uh, cod caught in the region. What do you have for us?
3: Yeah, look mate, um, during our shutdown uh, with the coronavirus, um, a lot of the locals have been sneaking out, uh, not taking their boats, obviously, which is uh, you know, pretty obvious what they're going to be doing, but they've just been fishing off the bank. And the guys that have been living um, on the New South Wales side, especially around here at Swan Hill, there have been quite a lot of cod up to around the metre mark, caught in the past probably four to five weeks, quite a lot on surface, Lewis. Is that because there
0: hasn't been that same pressure from anglers getting into it, Jim, do you
3: think? um, No, I don't think so. This is the time of the year that the big cod start moving. When we get the cold temperatures, the the water temperature drops right back. Um, The shrimp and the yabbies, uh, they go into hibernation. So the big cod, between now and the end of August, big cod are chasing food to fatten up for winter. So they're chasing whatever they can find, and especially with the surface Lewis this time of the year where the bardie moss have grown i don 't know whether you're down your way but here um, the past couple of weeks when it 's had rain we've had the bardie moss sitting on the ground, yep, so um, they land in the river and the cod know that every season, so they're waiting for them um, if you 're not
0: chasing Murray cod in terms of yellow belly and red fin. Um, ways to target those over the next few weeks now that rules have been relaxed, certainly on the Victorian side anyway. Obviously, New South Wales, it's been, uh, been gung-ho for fishing.
3: Yeah, look, the yellows have uh, started to come on, on the bite uh, before we had the shutdown with the virus. Um, they had been pretty sort of quiet over the summer. Um, the bloke sent me a photo yesterday. He got a 44-centimetre um, yellow on a shrimp, but he also got a good-sized Murray Cray um which which I'll post up on the uh Facebook page this, this weekend. Um look yeah the look the, the yellows drop off too uh when the uh, when the the cooler you know, the you know the water temperature drops off too. So um between now and um now and the end of uh, end of August I'll be just sort of most people will be targeting uh, targeting cod. Redfin, they sort of drop off a bit too. You might get the odd one in the lakes. Um the local channel systems here had been fishing well uh for yellows. But uh, as we said, we haven't heard much in, uh, since, since that Boris lockdown. So I'm hoping uh, at the end of, uh, end of this month that uh, he might let us um, go camping. Uh, then we'll probably see more people coming, you know, hitting the river then. Yep.
1: Jim, if you're going to
3: be heading
1: to the river to chase Murray Cod, what would be your go-to technique? Would it be using your stock standard orgy or your cheese? Or what would be using? What would you be your go-to
3: Look, I'm kidding. I'm kidding um a lot of body grubs so obviously guys have been catching quite a few on grubs. Um, I'd be using uh the the river's rose here went from about 0.8, 0.84 of a metre to about two point six meters in about four days. So it just went straight up. But it's gonna drop back a bit. Um, the river has in the past month or so has it's been fropped it's fish better on the drop than on the rise. I'd be trolling um hard body lures and throwing surface lures and spitter baits around if you're just sort of uh trolling you know down the uh, down the river uh, and casting to the snags and stuff so even the other ri- the other rivers the um the and the, the nema and, and the edward the nema and the, the, uh, the, the marron creek uh there have been some nice cod picked up out there on the spitter baits uh, the river there is pretty clear the, the murray here was clear but there's obviously a lot of water coming down the, down the Goulburn, as well as coming out of Yarrawonga, and it's dirty. The river up a little bit, so it'll take a while for that to settle. But I'll be definitely just sort of uh, hitting hit, hitting the big lures because this is what they said the big cod are chasing right through now until the end of the end of the cod season.
0: Beautiful, thank you, Jim. Thanks for your report this morning on Real Adventures.
3: No worries, boys. That
0: was Red's tip. It's time for the Flying Gaff Redman finishing off the show this morning. What do you have for us?
1: This week, I was very disappointed on how many people that weren't fishing on Wednesday. All this carry-on on social media was ridiculous. I'm fishing on Wednesday, whether or not Andrew's buddy lets us go, this and that. I got to the. I, I didn't go out early because I didn't want to wait at the ramp, and I got there, and there was nine trailers at the, at the ramp. O'clock. Well, well you, I, you started later. You started at 11.30. I deliberately started later. Because you didn't want the traffic. No. I spot on, And I didn't want to win against Ty because I'm a pussy. But <laughs> basically, <laughs> I did. And there was no one out. And then I spoke to a few people on the Sereno side. There was no trailers out of there. I spoke to a few people up north. And So and you're gaffing my, all
0: fishermen around the Well country, the second the state. part
1: of the gaff is to the gaff to the people that actually launched their boats at, there was more people launching at twelve o'clock PM that night <laughs> at AM that night than <laughs> yeah. there was launching the next morning. <laughs> uh, uh, it's good to be back on the water, Patrick. Let's go get some fish. This has been Real Adventures.
0: We're going fishing.